Hi, welcome to the Diary of an Anxious Therapist. I'm your host, Ben France. I'm a licensed professional counselor and life coach who struggled with anxiety for my whole life. I'm also a musician, a writer, and a lifetime learner who thoroughly enjoys sharing what I learn and what I'm passionate about. With this podcast, my hope is to provide some insights, some information, and maybe even some interventions related to anxiety, finding and expressing creativity, and finding purpose and meaning in your life. I'll be using my own life experiences, along with things that I've learned in nearly a decade of being a mental health professional, to bring you content that is helpful, meaningful, and hopefully a bit entertaining. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting platform. And if you really want to do me a favor, leave a review. Five stars are appreciated if you do feel so inclined. That being said, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, Ben France here, uh, coming at you today on Thursday the 25th, I believe is when this is going to be released. Just doing a follow-up video to my last video, which is also uh, episode 6 of uh, Diary of an Anxious Therapist. Uh, if you remember last time we talked about some of my fears related to going all in on myself, whether it's career or relationships or the things that I'm passionate about, and... I just wanted to follow up with that video with what I alluded to today. Or not going to edit this. Let me restart. <laughs> Gotta follow up last time's video about the fears that I have about going all in on myself with a video about some of the ways that I've learned to push through that. Once again, all these experiences are based completely on my life and things that I have dealt with. And occasionally I might throw in a example based on a, a amalgamation of clients that I've worked with over the years, but realistically it's going to be predominantly my experiences since this is my diary and I am your favorite, well, hopefully favorite, blue-bearded, bald-headed, spiritual-seeking, looking over here because I've got the window that shows my face over there, uh, counselor slash musician slash lover of life slash hopefully friend. So anyway, let's dive into this one today. Start out today, I am working on some tea instead of some coffee. This awesome little freaking cat mug my wife got me at our local tea and coffee place uh, called Chabom, C-H-A-B-O-M. If you're ever in the Springfield, Missouri area, I highly recommend them. They're awesome. And today I am drinking Fred T. Mercury. Bohemian raspberry tea, which is rose hips, hibiscus, chamomile. I'm trying to read this on the screen. Rubius? Natural flavors, dried blueberry powder, dried raspberry powder, and dried blackberry powder that is all organic from the teabook.com. This was part of what came with the mug that my wife got me as a just because gift, and so I'm finally trying it. And still getting my head around herbal teas, but it's not bad. Didn't add any sweetener or anything to it, and it's got kind of a nice flavor to it, and I'm really trying to ease off the coffee because I have gotten very much back into way too much coffee and way too much caffeine to the point that I'm feeling that it's starting to become a little bit of an addiction and or something I'm reliant on. I've kind of got back to three cups of coffee during the day and sometimes a cup of coffee at 8 o'clock at night, and as you can probably imagine, sleep has not been great because of that, so... Trying to move into something that's maybe a little more conducive to that. So anyway, let's dive into the topic of today. And as always, if you've never watched these videos before, or if you've only listened to the podcast episodes prior to episode six, 
This one will be a little bit more rambling and kind of stream of consciousness because while I do have right in front of me here an outline of things I wanted to make sure not to forget, I don't have a script. This is ad hoc with just a short outline, kind of me talking about my experiences and hoping that maybe they will be helpful for you. So let's talk about how I've leaned into challenging my fears that keep me from going all in on myself. I actually reframed this, and this is not something I came up with myself. It's from Stephen Pressfield's excellent book, The War of Art, not The Art of War, The War of Art, where he talks about resistance to creating and that our biggest enemy as creators, or I would zoom out and say our biggest enemy as people in general, is resistance to change, resistance to getting started, resistance to blah, 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 however you want to put it. So here are some ways that I've learned to challenge my own resistance related to going all in on myself. And this relates some to my career, relates to relationships, and relates to kind of life in general. So while, like I said, I will be following a little bit of this outline, I'm probably going to be jumping around a bit too. So to try to go in the order of last video and a uh, Diary of an Anxious Therapist episode six, the first fear I outlined in that episode was not being financially solvent or not being able to support myself or my family. That was one of the things that held me back for a long time of going all in or even dipping my toes in the waters of pursuing the life that I wanted for myself. So if you listen to the last week's episode, You'll remember some of this. If you didn't, I would highly recommend you checking out that episode before watching and or listening to this one because it'll give, make a lot more sense and give you a lot more context. On this one, though, on not being financially solvent and not being able to support myself or my family, I looked at why this fear exists. It took a lot of work, and it came around to the stuff I talked about last time of parental stuff, these worries of lack of money equaling lack of security equaling abandonment and lack of love. And so... Once I recognized that that's where that was coming from and it identified that, oh, light bulb moment, this is 10-year-old Benjamin seeing this stuff and freaking out about it. Then what I started working on was countering those thoughts with realities, how I'm not like those people, how my situation isn't like theirs. And I say those people, that sounds very cold and kind of eh, third-person-ish to me because I'm talking about my parents here, but how I'm not like my mom and dad, how... My situation isn't like theirs, and while their situations informed their reality to an extent, and mine had been doing that up to that point in my life, that I could choose to take a different path. I could choose a zig instead of zagging. And so in this case, I was looking at the fact that I didn't have kids. Therefore, I don't have as much of a financial strain or responsibility of what's going to happen if I go all in on me or if I make this career leap or whatever the case is and it doesn't work out, there's a little bit less. I don't, want to, I don't necessarily want to say less at risk, but there's a little bit different level of risk if you don't have kids and because you don't have someone depending on you. And assuming you don't have like an elderly parent that lives with you that's depending on you or a spouse who isn't able to contribute or something like that, that does remove a lot of that pressure. And I recognize that I am fortunate in that regard, that I didn't have to face those circumstances. But for me, the main takeaway from this one is that I don't have to follow the same path that they did. I know why they followed the path that they did. I know why that they behaved the way they did around money based around things that they went through in their childhoods and their upbringing. And while I had some similar things that went around in my upbringing in my childhood, doing that work to recognize that, hey, this is old stuff, allowed me to say, 
but it isn't the same stuff. So I can choose something different where I normally take a right turn or where they would have taken a right turn. Maybe I'll take a left turn here and we'll see what happens. Taking a drink of tea for those of you who are listening and not watching. The second part of this was challenging the thought that people will abandon me if I financially fail. That was a big one for me because that whole abandonment slash financial success combination that I talked about in the last episode. If I can't financially support my family, then what am I worth? And if I don't have that worth, then will people stick around or will they leave? I worked on this one a lot, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still working on this one a lot. By working on my self-worth, my self-esteem, and my belief in myself as being a good and worthy person in this life. If I'm really concerned about the fact that people will abandon me and leave me if money gets tight, then what am I saying about myself? I think what I'm saying in that moment is that, hey, all that matters about me, the only worth I have is what I can give to other people monetarily or through material goods or something like that. And is that true? For a lot of years, I might have thought so. But I've, I've, I've came to this point that I know that that's not true. I know with my wife, with Tracy, the best thing I can give her, the thing that matters the most, is I can give her this. I can give her my heart and I can give her my love. And I know that regardless of whether we have seven figures in the bank, and no, we don't have seven figures in the bank. Most months, we probably don't even have four figures in the bank at the end of the month, at least not right now, but we're working on that. But regardless, whether we have seven figures in the bank or we have 10 cents in the bank, that doesn't say anything about how much she means to me. And I make sure that she knows that by letting her know how much she means to me. And thankfully, she's the type of person, the type of partner that some of us are fortunate to have that she does the same for me as well. So that also eases my fears that someone might abandon me if I don't financially become a success. Because I know that that's not what this life is about for us. And ultimately, I know that that's not what this life is about for me. It's about fulfillment, it's about peace, and it's about happiness. It's not about impressing people, and it's not about buying people's love and affection, because that will never work out, I promise you. Because at some point, invariably, you'll hit a bump in the road. Something financially will go amiss. And if someone withholds their love or withholds their care of you because of that, that doesn't say anything about you. What that says is that says a lot about that person and how much you mean to them. That's a them problem, not a you problem. So don't forget that. And just looking at my notes here, I just wanted to say also that I have been both up and down financially and the people that truly love me, they've never abandoned me because of it. And even if I look back to my childhood and if I look back to the situations of money getting tight, equally people fighting and arguing, equaling one of my parents walking out and leaving, you know what? They always came back. Maybe that isn't the case for everybody. That it, Maybe that isn't the case for every situation, but it was for me. So what does that tell me then? That this fear of abandonment because of financial ruin or stress is maybe a little bit out of sorts. I'm, I'm struggling with the words. Maybe a little bit blown out of proportion from the reality of the circumstances. So yeah, that's that's enough about that first one. 
Uh, the next one was failing or not being able to succeed at what I love. So this is a big one for me for a long time. What if I go all in on the thing that I love and I fail at it? What does that say about me? Does that say I'm not any good at this? Does that say I've been kidding myself all these years about what I am, the person that I am, the talents that I have? This one, the first thing that came to mind on this as I started working through this, and this was working with my counselor as well. I'm adjusting myself in the chair there, folks. I'm not adjusting myself. That sounds horrible. But setting up in the chair, I felt like I was slouching. For those of you once again listening to this, feel free to ignore these past couple of sentences and taking a drink of tea again. But when I look at this fear of not being able to succeed at what I love, the question that that I ask myself and the question that my therapist helped me work through for a lot of sessions and a lot of time is, what's worse, failing at the thing that I love or never trying and regretting it? Like I said last week, would I rather be that 85-year-old guy looking back on my life saying, man, I wonder what would have happened if I dot, 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 dot? Or would I rather look back and say, hey, I tried. Maybe it didn't work out exactly the way I planned. We're going to get to that in a minute. Put an asterisk on that. But I tried, and so I won't have that regret of what if. I won't have that looming, lingering question that everyone, everyone sets in some regards and asks themselves at the end of their time on this planet, in this life. So along with that, the next thing that came up for me as I started working through this and started leaning more towards, or as I have been working through this rewind, once again, I want to do the Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, beep, 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 beep thing. Well, I guess I, guess I kind of just did that. But the other thing that I remind myself frequently with this is if it is truly my thing, meaning it's my calling, it's my purpose, it's my passion, I'm probably pretty unlikely to fail at that because my love for it and my passion for it will let me keep pushing through these hard times, the times where I question myself. The times that seem difficult, the times that it don't doesn't, pardon me, seem easy. Sorry, I was distracted. For those of you watching the camera, you will see right over here. That is so hard to do on a camera backwards this way. Hey. Okay, over by the file cabinet, over this shoulder back there, you'll see Gizmo. So she distracted me a little bit. Love my kitties. Can't shut them out of the room because if I did, they'd just be meowing at the door. But obviously, I got a little distracted and... ADHD brain, a little off track there, as I not am infrequent in doing. So anyway, getting back to the point here, if this is truly my thing, I'm unlikely to fail at it because my love and my passion for it will let me push through the hard times. They'll give me the ammunition to keep going. They'll give me the creativity and the ways to keep trying to find a way to do it, even if what I thought was the way to do it is not working out. Which moves myself into the next point of this failing or not being able to succeed at what I love. Even if I can't do it full time, does that mean I have to give up on it entirely? Or can I find some other way to scratch that itch of that thing? And this one, I really, I'll be honest, when I was writing my outline, I kind of hesitated putting this in or not. Because I want to be the person that is 100% optimistic all the time and says, you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. You can do it. You can manifest it. It can happen. I'm getting there, folks. I'm still a work in progress like everybody else. But I will say that now in 2024, wow. In 2024, yes, Gizmo, I love you. In 2024, 
I am much closer to believing that than I was in 2014 or 2004 or 1994, although 1994, I probably was... I was 18 years old, so I wasn't really thinking about that whatsoever. I was thinking about what I could do that was fun with my friends. But anyway, I digress with my ADHD brain. <sighs> if I can't do it full-time, does that mean that I lose it? No, it doesn't. I love music more than anything in the world. I love writing music, composing music, sitting down at my computer, and coming up with something out of nothing. It's my favorite thing to do. Pardon me, hopefully you didn't hear it on the camera. If you did, that was a belch. A little bit of tea left. Not much. I'm going to put in the camera here. I'm almost out. I should have brought a bigger mug. So if I can't do it full time, does that mean I have to give up on it? No, not at all. It doesn't mean that. It can still be something that I love. It can be still something that I do as a passion. It can be still something that feels fulfilling to me. And I've learned that about music. While I really am leaning and wanting to lean into turning that into something more than just something I do for fun... And I'm still working towards it. That doesn't mean that because I'm not bringing home a paycheck from it, that's not paying the bills every month, that I can't do it. Like I said last time, I'm pretty sure I did. If I didn't, I would have been very remiss to. As you know, if you've been following this podcast, as you know, by the name of the podcast, I'm a therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I love this work. It's awesome. It's so fulfilling. It is something that I feel fortunate that I get to do and I get to earn a living doing every day. So maybe that's another good thing to think about that maybe you can have more than one thing you love and maybe you can find time for both of them. Once again, I feel like I'm getting a little bit off the task here, but that's okay. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is stream of consciousness. This is me trying to impart wisdom or trying to share things that I've learned in my life and hoping that maybe it will be helpful for all of you too. So enough about that failing or not being able to succeed at what I love. Because can I ever really fail if I love it? No, because I'll always have it in my life. The next one, fear of succeeding. This one, if you listened last week, once again, plug for episode six, go back if you haven't. And if you haven't listened to any of the episodes, go back to episode one. You can learn all about why this is called Diary of an Anxious Therapist. But anyway, getting off tap there because a gizmo went across the screen again and I got distracted. Fear of succeeding. The big one on that was losing the love of it. So what if I turn it into my career? What if I turn it into my job and I just basically burn it down and I end up hating it because it's what I have to do all the time? I've got to be really honest. This is something that weighed on me for about that long. It was heavy for about that long, for about a minute or two, but it was super heavy. There was this fear of, oh, God. I love this more than anything in the world. What if I turn it into a job and I hate it? Then what does that mean? Does that mean I don't have anything? And the reality, at least what I found so far in my journey, is that's really unlikely to happen if it's something that I'm truly passionate about. Music. It's always came back to me. Even if it's been out of my life for days, weeks, months, or years, it always comes back. I never fall out of love with it. I never fall out of that awe of feeling like a kid again. When I hear a new piece of music that I love or when I create something out of nothing and I'm so excited, I'm like the little five-year-old that wants to go show his parents all the neat thing that he did. So I think that this fear of succeeding and burning yourself out of it is probably pretty unfounded. That doesn't mean that there would be... Rewind, first person, this is Diary of an Anxious Therapist. This is not therapist tells you how to live your life. So to rephrase that, 
I think the fear of me falling out of love with it is pretty unfounded because it always comes back to me. And I have seen that with other people in my life that have really pursued their passions. And that doesn't say that it's easy all the time. It doesn't say they don't get stressed sometimes. But they never lose that love for that thing. And they always come back to it, even if they have to take a break from it for a little bit. Second part of that point from last time was the worry about success taking the joy out of it. Kind of goes along with the losing the love of it. It's almost restating the same thing. But I'll just say... As it says in my notes here, this is also unlikely, see above points, meaning refer to what I just talked about there. If it's something that I really love and something that I'm really passionate about, it's probably pretty unlikely that success is going to take the joy out of it. Because if nothing else, that means I'll get to do it even more. And if I love it so much that I can do it and it seems like time stands still, how could it be bad to get to do it even more? That, that It's hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that that could be a possibility. So moving on to number four, number four was the fear of the unknown, not knowing the path ahead. This can be a big one. It could be paralyzing. Rephrase, this can still be a big one for me sometimes. I wouldn't say go as far as say it's paralyzing for me, but it definitely can slow me down and give me pause because not feeling like I know, okay, I love this thing. What am I going to do with it? How do I get there? How do I turn it into something that's an idea or from something that's an idea to something that I've done? And you know what I've learned with that? Do your research, people. Yeah, that sounds a little silly. And the first thing that pops into my head when I hear that is graduate school, research paper, 60 pages about a topic, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> boom. Sorry, I, I want to probably go back and put an edit thing at the start of this episode about that motion I just made. If you didn't see it on the camera, it was just something saying that, that I get really tired doing research. But this is a way you can push through that not knowing the path. Find somebody who's went down the path or a path similar to yours and talk to them. Get their input. What are the struggles that they ran into? How did they run? How did they move past these struggles? I have done this. I have networked and I've made a lot of friends of people in this field, in the mental health counseling field, especially with the running your own business as opposed to working for somebody else and collecting a steady paycheck field, because that's new to me as much as I always wanted to do it. That didn't happen until I got into this field. And like I said last time, until actually probably COVID times, that didn't happen. I was always still hedging my bets. So what did I do? I got in contact with people. I started networking people with people who are in this field, started learning what are the struggles you ran across opening your own private practice? What did that look like? What tips do you have? What are things you think would be useful? What are things that you wish you'd known back then that you know now? And I took them at their word and I took them at their, their value that they've been down this path before me. So they have something valuable to contribute. That was a little bit of a redundant statement, but I think you know what I'm saying. So talking to people like that. Also, a thing about not knowing the path is taking small steps down that path. You may have to course correct. You may have to do a test step. You may find out that that step was a misstep. You know what? That doesn't mean that you failed. That just means that you take one step back. You go back to the left or the right fork on the road and you say, huh, left didn't work so well. Let's try right. And you do that instead. You recalibrate based on what you learned rephrase. I'm having a tough time keeping this in first person today, and I apologize. I have learned to recalibrate by 
what I have learned and then take another small step in a different direction or a different a way around whatever obstacle it is. I've learned over the years that I am capable of learning and adapting so I can do this. I can course correct when I need to. And I have no doubt that you can do that as well. Second part of the fear of the unknown was the idea of the whole devil that you know, meaning that once again, kind of similar to the not knowing the path, but more of a, this is comfortable and not comfortable in the stretch of, I like this, but comfortable in the stretch of, I know this. And you know, this is going to be really stupid and reductionist and silly way to put it, but even if it's the devil that you know, it's still the freaking devil. And I'm not saying that to villainize the devil, quote unquote. But accepting that this is the way that it is, that isn't going to make it any more pleasurable for me. That's not going to make me all of a sudden go, I hate this job in the insurance industry, but you know what? I know how to do this job in the insurance industry. So boom, alakazam, I no longer hate this job and I love it and it's fun. No, it doesn't work that way. If anything, what it does is it takes me or took me further away from the goal of building a life that felt meaningful to me. It also in the process was sending me some really negative signals about my self-worth if I take that stance. Because if I say, this is the devil that I know, and I better stay here, what am I telling myself about my ability to change? Change. What about my ability to grow? And most importantly, what was I telling myself about the love I had for me and the life that I wanted to have for myself? So yes, maybe this is the devil that you know. That was the devil that I knew. But you know what? It doesn't mean we have to stay there. And it doesn't mean that it's even a good idea to stay there. So I hope this is helpful. This is kind of a diving a little deeper into the how I've learned to push through some of these things of resistance. So let me give you some resources that might be useful for this as well. Ah, I mentioned it earlier, Stephen Pressfield's incredible book, The War of Art, is awesome. Stephen Pressfield, if you don't know anything about him, which I didn't until I came across him on an episode of the Rich Roll podcast, is an author who's written an insane amount of books, and he wasn't published until he was in his mid-40s. So he learned how to push through, how to keep following your dream and make the thing happen that you want to happen. And in that book, he talks a lot about resistance and showing up and doing the work. So that's an excellent book to help you get into that mindset of taking it away from a dream of, oh, wouldn't this be nice? And making it more of a concrete reality of this is how I'm going to do the thing to make this my life. So I would highly recommend The War of Art. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it pretty much anywhere. And it's a pretty short read, I think. It's been a couple of years that I've read it. I still own it. Should have grabbed the book before I sat down here. But it's maybe a couple hundred pages, something like that. So uh, another thing that I'm reading just currently, and I've just started, I think is going to be really good. So I can't say for sure, but I think it's going to be very helpful, is this one. This is The Courage to Be Disliked, the Japanese phenomenon that shows you how to change your life and achieve real happiness. This book, actually, my counselor mentioned it to me, so I decided to go out on a limb and pick it up. It's very interesting how it's written because it's written as like a kind of in the Greek philosophy style of like a first person conversation or second person conversation. 
Sorry, I was an English major once, but it's been many years since I've studied those grammar rules and writing rules. Does technically be a third-person conversation of a philosopher and a student talking through life and talking through these things. And the courage to be disliked, my understanding of it from what I read and from the brief synopsis I got from my counselor, is that it falls right in line with what we're talking about here, which is going all in on you and going for the things that you love and that you want, as opposed to the things that you feel like you should love or want, or the things that you feel like you're supposed to love or want. Uh, other reads that I have going on, because I am very much a multiple book at a time person when it comes to reading, which is also probably part of why it takes me forever to read a book. Uh, fiction. If you're a fiction fan, if you like crime, and I'm totally going on a tangent here, but you know what? Eh, it's what I do. It's me. Love me or hate me, I'm me. Courage to be disliked. So I just read Echo Park, which is a Michael Connolly book that's in the Harry Bosch detective series. Uh, if you've ever seen the Bosch series on Amazon or Bosch Legacy on Freebie, incredibly awesome crime drama series type of thing. And these are the books, uh, Michael Connolly is the author that the books are based off of. I read The Black Echo, which is pretty far into the series. He started writing these books back in 1992, and that one came out in 2006. But it was the oldest one my library had, and it was awesome. My wife and I were talking about this last night because she's reading it now, too. And there's something very interesting and or fun about watching a movie or a show and then reading the book because it puts things in a little bit different perspective because you can really visualize that person. You can really see their body movements, the way they react and when they talk and that sort of thing, because you have that representation already in your mind. Some people would say maybe it's more fun to do the opposite because you don't have those preconceived notions, but I kind of like it this way, at least in this book idea. Uh, additionally, I am also reading Unmasking Autism. Uh, we'll be talking more about that in a future video, future episode. I've alluded to it a little bit in the past, but it is a great book. And if you have any questions as whether or not you are on the spectrum, or if you have someone in your life that is on the spectrum, or you question if they are not, that you should be diagnosing them. But if you want to just understand more, that book has been incredible. Actually, I listened to it first through Audible, and I enjoyed it enough, and it felt important enough that I actually bought a hard copy, and so I've started reading it as well. So anyway, that being said, I've droned on here for a little while. Stop. Rewind. That's not a kind thing to say to myself. I've shared what I wanted to share today. The rest of it would just be me randomly talking about whatever, which I could do for hours, but I have a feeling a lot of you'd lose interest, assuming you're still with me at this point. So uh, two weeks from now, next episode should be coming out, and we'll see where the journey takes us from there. As always, I wish you all peace, love, and happiness. Take care, everyone. That's it for this week's episode. I hope that you found the information to be helpful, inspirational, and maybe even a bit entertaining. Remember to subscribe to the pod via your favorite podcasting platform and rate and leave a review for the podcast if you'd like. Five stars are always appreciated for that. Additionally, you can find me on social media via threads and Instagram at Benjamin France LPC, TikTok via Benjamin underscore France underscore LPC, and via my website at BenjaminFrance.com. I wish you peace, love, and happiness in your life. Until next time, take care, everyone.